0: Shall we start about the, the very first day of the first meeting between uh, yeah, you yeah. and IIS?
1: Yeah. In
0: sense.
1: August, <laughs> that was what? Summer, three, years ago. three years ago. 2016. Yeah. So that's almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that time, uh, yeah, as you know, I was head of innovation design engineering from mm-hmm. the Royal College of Art. And the, and the RCA was looking for... Uh, to expand Mm -hmm. research interests Mm -hmm. into science and technology, because, uh, especially in design, you know, the the forefront of innovation is really involving uh, new tech. And I think, uh, uh, as you know as well, you introduced us, Mm -hmm. um, IIS was looking for partners in terms of design teaching. Mm So, we had a meeting here and uh, I think it was one of the. It was kind of inspiring and exciting, hmm. all at the same time. Um, introduced the Royal College of Arts hmm. strategy and perspective. IIS introduced the Design EdX initiative, which is their platform to bring design into the university. And it really, I mean, it felt like a, a magical meeting. Like that every everybody's feelings were perfectly aligned. Um, So, and there were two nice moments in that meeting. One was uh, right at the end, asking Yamanaka Sensei, as a designer, what was it really like being the designer in this bubble, amazing bubble of science and technology? Because many universities try to introduce, you know, big universities try to introduce design into into the curriculum, into the culture, Uh, but sometimes it gets swallowed up. Um, but he turned around and said, it's like treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. Being a designer here was like treasure hunting, which I think shows the atmosphere of, particularly of IIS and the opportunity. So that really excited us as well. Um, I remember at that point saying, well, if it's like treasure hunting, then we need a treasure hunter. And so that was the first job yes. in the design lab. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah, it was a really special moment and everything moved very quickly from that point. So we also made the decision in the meeting not to overly plan kind of strategic planning period but rather to get on and prototype. So like, like you do in a design project, just to get on and try it. And I think that was also initiated because yeah, you received a phone call just from the Cool Japan yeah. <laughs> Committee to say that actually there could be some budget to help support mm. the start of it. Mm. So that I think that made us mm. hit the, the accelerator mm. and get going. Mm. Yeah.
0: I I remember the, the first uh maybe two days trip.
1: And
0: yeah. You uh you had uh three or four uh teachers and uh, lecturers yeah. around you. Yeah. And came to uh, IIS, and IIS professors, you know, took you guys to, uh, you know,
1: oh, research labs. Lives.
0: Yes, that's right. And had look at the deep, deep sea yes. the research. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, underwater, <laughs> underwater submersibles. A uh, micro machine. So there's one lab that creates. Do you remember the micro mm. machines that, you know, it's a nanoscale, mm. have physically moving components. Uh, did we maybe maybe we saw the neuron lab? I'm mm. not sure, but yeah, we saw three or four or five mm. labs, and I think yeah, that, that kind of openness as well was uh, was amazing to see. Uh, you know, in London, I've worked over 15 years with a you know with the Imperial College between the Imperial College and the RCA, so I was quite used to engaging mm. with science research. But even in one short meeting, mm. we got a real taste of. <laughs> kind of some, the breadth mm. of research that happens mm. here. I think IIS is a really special place as well. It's the perfect place mm. to launch design there because it's, it's big enough to have mm. all of the interesting subjects of science, not all of them, but the majority of interesting subjects of science and technology, but it's open enough, small enough to be open and
0: collaborative. How,
1: how, many, how many professors and researchers have hosted within IIS? There's there's about there's 120 labs here, Mm. um, but and each lab is between five and 20 people. Mm. So, I think this is one of the key points that every lab is is small enough Mm. um, that it needs to collaborate Mm. to Mm. not to survive but to engage Mm. and move faster and move uh, uh, in more interesting Mm. directions. So we have a there's a lot of labs, but they're relatively Small, I think, by university standards, and that means they're always forming collaborative groups and, and uh, working across disciplines. Yeah.
0: I, I think IIS is uh, one of the very unique places um, in Tolai, and uh, generally, Tolai has uh, uh, area specific research. For mm-hmm. example, faculty, uh, engineering, faculty of engineering, faculty of medicine or you know, these kind of things. But IIS has a very wide range of research area from cityscape yes. to yeah. micro yeah. scale yeah. yeah. scale. And and this IIS professors are trying to be interfacing between academic Uh, thing, research, to the industrial cultural innovation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think my take is that IIS, because it's always been the second faculty of engineering Mm. in the university, has always had to work harder Mm. to to find its rationale for Mm. being. Mm. You know, um, why have two faculties? Mm. So, I think that has made IIS much more agile, Mm. much more open, and much more connected with the outside world. Mm-hmm. so, and it's always, it's heritage has always been to connect with mm-hmm. industry, to try to uh, use university activities to mm-hmm. enable society to, to benefit. So yeah, it's even more of a reason why Design Lab is a good, you know, it's a good, it's a happy fit mm-hmm. here. It's mm-hmm. an easy, easier place to start this yeah. kind of activity. When we had a chat about the,
0: the functionality of design with uh, the global leaders, um, many people uh, um, you know, point out that uh, design is a, one of the very powerful methods to introduce um, pure R&D uh, you know, technical uh, value to the society. The, wow. you know, in between society and technology, uh, there's a de <laughs> uh, yeah. Chasm, yeah. yeah. And, but design, uh, yeah. maybe design engineers or uh, engineers who are uh, equipped with design methods can you know, jump over, go beyond mm. the, this border, uh, back and forward. And get insight from the living people or tangible yeah, reality, yeah. and then back, and get uh, crucial information from society and back to lab.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, that interaction between two sides—that's one of the main, um, yeah, the very powerful,
1: yeah. capability of design. Absolutely, and I think that, that the reason for that chasm between kind of society and and technology or research is yeah, it's a real problem. But it's the fault is in many places. I think you know, design is naturally human centered, mm. so it's always looking for a, for a need mm. for an opportunity from a perspective of society mm. of people, mm. um, but sometimes. Is dismissive of uh, you know science and technology research, which is um, which is a shame and also a missed opportunity because yeah you know, designers will sometimes say design needs to be human centred and it certainly is, but it can't be technology led. Now there's so much technology research in universities and in companies that uh, we can't ignore this. You know, and the, the problem with technology research is that it yeah sometimes creates technology that doesn't lead to uh, kind of to an application um, but if we if we don't engage with it if we don't try to cross those barriers then we leave yeah we end up with this chasm yeah. so I think designers need to yeah, be able to understand technology and the, and the role of research and researchers need to understand the power of design and its ability to to communicate and take Ideas to societies to create society's benefit.
0: Yeah,
1: we need yeah, more new type designers mm-hmm. and new type researchers. Yeah. So yeah, what that that chasm is created artificially between mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. disciplines. Yeah,
0: you've been working, you know,
1: to educate
0: these kind of
1: younger generation
0: for many years mm-hmm. uh, since in RCA uh, to IIS Design Lab, and um, but. The, you know there are so many pure art and design university uh, in in global and in Japan, and uh, you know these kind of uh, schools are looking at more aesthetic side of design, and I think this is uh, very important to uh, create the culture and better society. But the design education in uh, non design school engineering school mm-hmm. business school is not so uh, prepared for many years even if we are looking at uh, the United States or the UK mm-hmm. and Japan is uh, uh, one of the big uh, industrial um, country but uh, when we look at that you know, non- uh, design education from non-designers mm-hmm. are not so well prepared but the industry leaders are you know, uh, we, we have uh very strong awareness about the how design can contribute to connect society and research-based technology. Mm. So, uh, could you tell me about the when we uh, compare the uh, classical design education and uh, new type design engineering mm. or business design education, uh, do you see the uh, um, Maybe uh, yeah, there are some quite different characteristics, you know, classic education? Classical graphic design education or product, industrial design education or car design and uh, uh, Education for you know, engineers or business well,
1: people, Non-design. Or non-designers
0: yeah. from you know, your, your viewpoint.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Traditional design education has been a kind of craft, had craft qualities mm-hmm. about it, about curating crafts, people. I.e. like very highly skilled, technically uh, adept mm-hmm. in one particular narrow discipline. Whereas I think the, the kind of more of the new type of approach where you're taking non-designers or designers, but trying to introduce a sense of innovation mm-hmm. to them it's, it's not about a kind of deep dive mm-hmm. in that narrow discipline, but kind of an explosion across disciplines. So I think the, the kind of atmosphere and environment of new type of education is not kind of careful and deep carving this perfect uh, person, but rather a kind of intense, high-energy <laughs> education where people are exposed to many different ways of working And part of that is to uh, jumble their current thinking, you break their current thinking somehow, because they've been taught one thing, wherever they're from, business or engineering, somehow that needs to be dismantled. Mm -hmm. And, And I think the best way of doing that is exposing them to lots of incredible experiences. That way it jumbles up their thinking, and then allow them the time to put that back together in their own new way. So not to try and create one new type designer, but rather create many new types. So someone who is from a business background, but has an interest in philosophy, brings this to design. Someone from engineering, who has a fascination with astrophysics, brings a completely different thing to design. And you need to give them the space to be their own type. Of designer. A new type designer, the main point is they're all different. Mm. An old type designer mm. is maybe trying to create perfect craftspeople. So I think yeah, the, the education itself needs to go through an innovation yeah. Yeah. to create that type. You can't you can't create this kind of discipline-breaking system mm. with the old system of education. Yeah. In that sense, I guess that maybe
0: uh, when we think about the what kind of people new tech designers uh, mandatory mindset or skill set, mm. I think self learning or self unlearning <laughs> <Yes. laughs> mindset yeah. is so important.
1: Yes, certainly a the, uh, the flexibility um, to be broken and rebuilt um, constantly. Yeah. I think, um, and I think maybe the number one. A tribute is there's curios- there's curiosity, mm. you know. Because if you're not curious about new things, then you'll never relearn your ways mm. of working. I think maybe that's that's always been the case in in design, but mm. not in the case maybe sense of maybe engineering or business or uh, art. You know, you know, you need to you need to bring these people together mm. under one banner. Mm. Um, but maybe uh, curiosity and a willingness. Mm a drive to self-learn is important. Mm.
0: To boost up that kind of mindset and uh, maybe um, for you or you know, your sounding teachers and lecturers trying to find out that kind of strong you know, curiosity-driven students mm. and uh, how you, you know, nurture that kind of... You know, uh, natural born curiosity people to a professional level.
1: Mm. I think it's uh, it's it's always been about curating the educational experience. Mm. So I think in in the past, particularly at the RCA in in IDE, we had what we called like a non-linear process. Mm. So it was essentially a. Uh, seemingly disconnected set of experiences that opened people's minds to different approaches. So constantly showing them new ways of working, constantly showing them uh, new experiences and new techniques, uh, but not formally defining what they're supposed to be. Um, and so it, I, I felt it was an opportunity for students to see lots of things and um, The important thing was always that they engaged Uh, and again intensity and speed I think is important so you give students one thing to do at a time for two weeks or six weeks and they do nothing else so it's like they jump into this one thing and get swallowed up there so that feeds the curiosity you know and they're like they become hungry for new things so after The RCA is a two-year program. After one year, you get fed all of these different um, experiences. It's like having a huge meal. Then you need to digest that. And sometimes I think the most important thing in education is holiday. (laughs) It's actually not teaching. You know, not teaching is as, as important as teaching. So to allow people to reflect and digest. I mean, it's about changing people's mental systems, changing the way they think, changing their brain. That takes time, it doesn't happen overnight. I think this is the the massive difference between teaching a creative course and teaching a factual-based course. Is you can, fact-based course, you can give a lecture and you can absorb knowledge and you can learn a process. In a creative course, you're trying to change the way that you think. And yes, you do pick up skills that are more of rote learning, but changing the way you think ultimately takes time. Mm-hmm. I remember
0: the uh, very interesting experience in uh, RCA. and that that was the the, the RIF review meeting, uh-huh. uh, project review meeting, yeah. and you uh, obviously host uh, that you know, uh, the. Re- presentation yeah. uh, from the students and myself and specialists uh, around for example from sustainability, mm-hmm. production engineering and these kind of professional people yeah, gave comments and sort to the students mm-hmm. but the, uh, the standard and the level of comments it's so
1: professional. Uh, <laughs> so
0: yeah. the gap in, in between students thinking and execution Level mm. and commentary you know, level, there is a huge gap. Yeah, but the reviewers are not trying to be you know, easy mm. <laughs> to them. No, no, yeah. yeah. And and in a sense, that's you know, situation is so harsh to to the students, but the, that experience actually boosts up the you know
1: yeah. learning curve yeah. to the. And I think yeah, we were always very lucky having you know people like yourself giving those challenging comments because you know if you're if you're trying to drive the best students to be the best, you have to continuously you know keep the keep the objective beyond their just beyond their reach, and I think it's it's one of the hard, yeah it's just students should be able to you know they're there to learn they must constantly be reaching, there's no point making it easy, making mm. them, you know, it's not it's not about you know, grade collecting, it's about really stretching themselves to be the best they can, you know, you have staggeringly good, you know bright students mm. um, so the, the I think the educational challenge is knowing you know, what is just beyond mm. and not pushing it too far, that they become demotivated mm. and, you know, it's just beyond their reach constantly. And then, yeah, if they're good, they're always stretching.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: but it, and I, I also think that it's also about, bring, you know, building a culture around the students. So they feel that they can learn, that they can fail in a safe environment. Because it is, yeah, you know, it's harsh. You stand up every week and you make a presentation <laughs> that's never good enough. Um, and that, you can't be demotivating, you know, so particularly in IDE, we built a culture that it was safe inside the walls, inside the culture of IDE to fail and you were encouraged to fail. We talked a lot about fantastic failure. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is one of the key points to, to education and to design is don't fear failure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And surprisingly, that you know, through
0: these kind of continuous stimulus to students, in the end of uh, two years, the, uh, the skill set level, um, average level of students are actually in the same as uh, professional level of classical design students. Mm-hmm. And in a way, uh, when we think about design, it is a kind of terminology, but the design could be divided into two two components. The first one is design for innovation, and the second half is uh, innovation uh, design for uh, you know, styling and branding. Mm-hmm. And uh, we use same design, but the actually the uh, on-site skill set is completely different type. But the through through the two years. Uh, or one year in you know, education. Uh, even if we look at the uh, you know, styling and branding uh, side of design, uh, the you know, these students are uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how? I think design thinking or in you know, a prototyping method are very useful and helpful to you know, engineering students and business students to boost up the innovation minds mm. and innovation processes. Because uh, I think design thinking um, had been you know, invented within the computer science and the computer age. Mm. So that's that's uh, more familiar to uh, non-designers students you know, uh, when we compare that uh, aspect to the, the styling, mm. uh, design, styling and things. But uh, yeah, I'm always curious how um, when we try to engineering and business students you know, turn them into more you know, competing mm-hmm. new type designer. Maybe styling, is and present presentation skill set, visualization skill set is sometimes very powerful mm-hmm. uh, tools for them to convey their internal thinking. To, uh, yes. to
1: yeah. So how, how do you train them? Yes, that's a good yeah. question. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, particularly at the Royal College of Art, when, when we would sometimes think, okay, mm-hmm. here's a, we have a program where we take anybody, business people, designers, engineers, and in two years we expect them to be top-class design mm-hmm. innovators, Um, and we sometimes use the thing it's never going to work we need to teach them we need to teach the designers engineering and the engineers design and the business people everything and take them through a foundation and then an intermediate and then advanced Mm. classes and then we can expect them to be good Mm. but we don't do that how come you know it's never going to work but it does work you know you see what comes out at the end And and I think the what Essentially, what happened is we have things that we taught or rather allowed the students to experience, and we concentrated on the high end stuff the thinking things, the strategy, the search for the big idea, and the uh, more the more of the intangible not skill based mm-hmm. activities and then there was inside the cohort mixture of designers, engineers, business people and diverse other people who within the group contained skills. And we essentially expected the students to learn by osmosis from their teammates about things like visualization or presentation or basic engineering. And they would pick those up through teamwork. So we did a lot of group work uh, because the idea was that I would learn from you because you're a designer and I'm an engineer and next door is a, is a business person. and So that's why it was working, because there was learning by osmosis from each other. We focused on the higher level thinking. So if we had focused too much time on skill stuff, we would, we would, we would just have wasted our time as, as staff, as teachers. So I think that that was the magic, mm-hmm. you know bringing diversity and making and curating the cohort mm-hmm. such that it could teach itself and it, every year the students said they learned more from each other than they did from us, yeah. we saw that as success, mm-hmm. which might sound crazy as a as a teacher <laughs> you'd expect to be the one to be teaching, mm-hmm. but it's not you know the uh, the the cohort itself is kind of like a yeah, fusion, you know, it feeds off itself. Once you get it working, then so, that's a really powerful teaching model. So that
0: maybe the order of education is very important. I think the the first component always uh, consists of uh, kind of uh, the sets of boot camp process hmm. to tell about the user research or prototyping these kind of basic skill set uh, to do you know, innovation thinking. and uh, in second year we, we have a group project first hmm. and individual project is actually in you know, a sit zone after oh, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so that's uh, you
1: know, the right order. Yeah, in the, in the first year is also a mix of group and, and individual work, but yes, you're right, the, the early part is showing different processes, so experimental approaches or disruptive innovation approaches or enterprise approaches, so that they get a kind of basic understanding of the directions, and then different projects showing different skill sets or different thinking approaches. And the second year, so after that holiday where they've reflected and absorbed these things, you have this period of an intense group project. And then the final test Mm -hmm. is, you know, how do you do it on your own, which seems artificial because at no point in the future do you ever work on your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ultimately you have to prove it, you know.
0: Yeah. In, in this interview, we always figure out how uh, how people can be BTC, mm. hybrid. So uh, design engineering. Um, first of all, twenty years ago, when when I you know was in the RCA as uh, industrial design uh, engineering students, yeah. the our uh, the course uh, objective uh, was clearly set to educate engineering engineering students. Uh, you know as a uh, hybrid type as a design engineer but now uh, the objective is maybe evolved to how we can create the the more stronger hybrid business tech and
1: yeah yeah and I I think now the Gar in when the course started it was about teaching engineers design and, and having those people join the design industry. Now we talked a lot more more about it not being clear where the future lies yeah. and that to create new type designers who can create that future. So whether it's starting their own company, reinventing existing companies, rethinking society. There's many different directions. So the the exit direction is now not defined at all you know and we're trying we were trying to create people who would define those exit directions completely
0: yeah so I guess maybe the, the age uh, was shifted actually mm. the, maybe uh, around 2000 maybe 1990 to 2000 the uh, innovation age is was in maybe mechanical and electrical and computer age, Mm. but now the digital technology is spreading out to the every single component of society. So, uh, maybe it is very hard for us to define who is going to be an innovator. So, maybe design skill set is not a definition for the design professionals, more like a Basic skill sets or components to everybody,
1: even even for doctor or you know, even for yeah. law, lawyer. And <laughs> yes, no, mm. uh, yeah, I think that's that's so true. Mm. That's mm. yeah. To be honest, I, uh, you know, we some we talk a lot about kind of creating new type designer, mm. but actually, I think the term designer is sort of irrelevant. Mm. You know, the, we want to create new types of people who will rethink society mm. and use. Design, you know, it's a very powerful so maybe tool. New type designer is not uh, capable to cover cover you know
0: about mm-hmm. the wide no range. That, yeah. Maybe uh, politician with design or
1: yes. engineer with design. Design, yeah. <laughs> design influenced politician yeah. something. Yes. So uh, this is my uh, the
0: next questions. When we compare the. Uh, ordinary, for example, politician with a politician equipped with uh, design thinking or design uh, process.
1: What's the difference?
0: Uh, ah, yeah.
1: yeah. Or engineers. Yeah. I think the politician is a good example because uh, I often wonder how on earth uh, politicians can work. You know, they, they propose complex models and that have to work in big networks, how do they do that without creating concepts, iterate prototyping, iterating and testing? So I think, yeah, design could be a really powerful tool for politicians because how on earth are they expected to develop, you know, new ideas and implement new ideas without the mindset of of design, which is about about creation Mm -hmm. and the iterative and chaotic and often failing uh, process of creation Mm. and and that is a, yeah, I I often wonder how how does government work without Mm. design? Mm. I'm the same about innovation people talk about uh, design-led innovation being, Mm. you know a unique way of of working, I think what other way is there? Mm. What other way of innovating can you expect Mm. just sitting around waiting for perfect ideas mm-hmm. to pop into your head mm-hmm. there's no other way you know if the, the, maybe this is the thing about design everything is designed mm-hmm. whether it's done well or done badly so everything is going through this process mm-hmm. what we need to do is make people more aware and better at that process mm-hmm. and that can affect and improve so many different types of mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. having said that there's a phrase isn't there who was it some yeah. who was it who said stop all this innovation and just give me a classic it's like there's, you, you don't want a world where everybody is constantly reinventing everything because <laughs> then nothing would genuinely work and we yeah. would constantly be <laughs> prototyping That's, that is maybe
0: one of the, the very um, important things to look at the re- reality of the world mm. I think uh, the balance mm. of uh, uh, you know, how, how we can you know, uh, kind of collective correctness in, mm. in, in the society? Uh, when we look at the uh, ordinary industry, I think uh, the people um, who are working on operational, you know, process and thinking, maybe ninety-five percent uh, people are you know, looking mm. at that side and maybe less than five percent people looking at you know creating new things for mm-hmm. the, uh, new businesses. But the uh, yeah the one of the agenda is so what is uh, the best ratio uh, you know, yes. how many people uh, you know should work on new things how many people uh, should work on you know operate or keep or maintain existing things and how many people should work in a combination uh, of you know, uh, exist, existing existing things? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess this is this is just my imagination. But maybe ten percent of innovators or challengers, and eighty percent of you know, ma- ma- maintenance yeah. and ten percent of terminator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it could be a good balance. And th- this this is a uh, uh, why 10 80 and 10 sounds uh, right because uh, this is very similar to our body because our body and the living things are uh, always you know uh, maintained in a dynamic you know in and <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. and yeah homeostasis yeah. You know, status things are the, one of the metaphor how we can maintain Healthy um, status of the society, mm. and if uh, the, the this 80% is uh, more like a, you know 99%, very few new things, and very limited number of information. Mm. maybe society is going to be more rigid, yeah, and uh, res- resilience for the, the change, The maybe, yeah, it is not so. Uh, working well mm. <laughs> but the future is always the in you know, a sum of small changes
1: yes right so, so. I also think uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a really interesting question because you can also think it from the perspective of you know a corporate particularly corporate mm. culture mm. you know you think of a place like Apple which is now yeah, hugely mm. uh, larger than it was 20-30 years ago but Ultimately, the core design team is tiny. Hmm. You know, it's 15, 20 people. Not 25. 25, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you have you know, eco. You know, uh, uh, more people around that. But the, 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 you could say the, the magic kind of new innovation work mm-hmm. is happening right inside the core of those 25 people. Um, but the whole culture of the company is imbued with design. So, I think it's you know the 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 flow from the creative hub outwards um, is much easier, whereas if you had a company where you haven't got that mm. that good communication that everyone in the same kind of strategic philosophy in the same kind of mental space, mm. then yeah perhaps you you know you do need you do need a bigger team mm. to affect that
0: mm.
1: or also thinking you know can you ever can you is that sometimes the corporate culture can, is too hard to change and you need to take that creative core outside completely to allow it to, to flourish and then feed throw back things inside, so how many people is not relevant, it's how many ideas are being thrown back into the, into the culture again I think it's, yeah, it's a challenging question, it's mm-hmm. to, do, yeah, to do with the size of activity but also the kind of the culture that surrounds it when, uh, especially Japanese corporations trying to
0: be uh, more innovative, maybe uh, you know, new hybrid type people are maybe one of the weapons for the, uh, the corporate leader to change their corporate culture. But um, we always um, recognize that the, the situation is not so easy. <laughs> maybe existing culture is a bit too visit, and Cyro system was so strong to run an innovation process, and how how do you have any kind of cure, solution, strategic logic solution to change that? Oh, yes. yeah, Maybe yeah. You,
1: you have you know so many questions something like that right. yeah. from from corporate people, right? Like, yeah, I think know. after you know, so I've been here almost two years now, and this is the. The question that's brought up the most is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how does Japanese corporate culture change? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's very hard. You know, Japanese corporations have, they were massively innovative, you know, after the war rebuilding themselves. Some, there were some amazing mm-hmm. characters around who, who built Japan Inc., I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but the last few decades has been optimization so the companies are now incredibly efficient and have worked through iterative change to become amazing you know manufacturing uh, uh, models uh, now they're facing the challenge of being challenged so yeah the entire structure needs to change the entire mindset needs to change into much more agile innovative uh, structure and I think yeah that uh, I think the you can educate a new generation coming in mm. to these corporations, and I think the senior management, whose job it is to understand the need to change, get it. But you have a you know a huge population of middle, middle people mm. who are trained in optimization, very good at this work, and now they need to change. And I think this this is the focus. And I actually think that it's you know as a Person in education, we we talk always about you know reinventing the new generation, but we forget about lifelong learning. We forget about people who are already in business, already in work, and it's our job also to deliver education to those people. Is so, that the uh, the core reason why you s- you
0: have started Design Academy outside Tokyo yeah.
1: City? Exactly. Yeah. So Design Academy is at the moment doing professional training and it's on purposely outside of the campus because the, the longer term strategy is to reinvent education itself. You know, we as a design and innovation or design led innovation unit, I think what, you know, our focus should be on education. The university model is in a way yeah. one of the most ancient forms of industry of teaching, it hasn't changed, you know, for hundreds of years, practically. Uh, there needs to be a much more agile, much more flexible way of learning. You know, how can you say that for, you know, the best way of getting your education is to ram it into the first 20% of your life, or if you want an education, you need to take one year out or two years out and just focus on that? It shouldn't be that way. So life getting longer. Yeah, <laughs> life's getting longer. Yeah. I mean, by the time yeah, you retire, how, how many years? Maybe fifty or sixty years from when you left education. The- <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You may not have been formally taught anything. So yeah, design academy is about. We're not doing it yet, but the goal is to kind of create new. Oh, my vision of design academy is in five years' time, we'll look at it and we'll think. We never knew you could do education like mm. that. Mm. That's new. Yeah. You We're know? not doing it yet. We're not innovating yet. But the hope is to get there. Yeah. So we need a different space mm. in order in order to do that. I think
0: uh, the yeah, maybe you, you know, depicted the two streams: education for new generation and education for the you know maybe middle mm. incorporation people. And I think that maybe the objective is maybe the same, how we can turn around the, you know, the corporate culture into a more innovate, innovative way. But the, the method and content and mindset is, you know, different. restriction, all the different
1: yeah. from each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, you know, for it to succeed, we need people who want to change. Yeah. I think this is, that's the... Yeah. The biggest challenge, you know, is that people lose, the, the young people have an amazing open-mindedness and curiosity and, and, and on the downside, a lack of focus mm. and uh, no direction. And as we get older, we naturally lose that open-mindedness and curiosity but gain focus and direction. And it's often nice in a teaching group to have both. But if we look at the, the challenge of education for, you know, a middle-aged group, we have the, the challenge of breaking the mindset. Yeah. But I think that, in a way, we have, we've, uh, you know, the education educating non-designers in design is the same. Mm-hmm. We have the same challenge of breaking people's mindsets in a nice way, mm-hmm. you know, in an, in an enthusiastic way. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I'm quite confident that we can, we can do that for... Stubborn, mm. single-minded people yeah. who need to yeah. who need to change. Do you have any kind of uh,
0: tangible you know, vision about the design academy? Uh, is it the lecture-based in you know, a school or more in a on-job
1: type I th- I th- training? Yeah, at the moment, yeah. As you know, we're running we run workshops, yeah. uh, and that's just just to practice. Yeah. I think workshops are. are are good at, it's like someone opening a box and having a look at an amazing present, but it's difficult to transfer that learning into their everyday work, so they tend to close the box again mm-hmm. and put it to one side. We need to get inside people's everyday work environment mm-hmm. to teach inside companies. Mm-hmm. So to have a, a program that runs for a whole year, and maybe one afternoon you go inside the company, You introduce a new uh, approach or experience, but you interweave it with everyday activities. Mm. So uh, uh, it should be like that, understanding what people are doing in their job and helping them do it better, Mm. rather than making this design experience separate from their everyday Mm. job. It's got to bring design into their everyday job and make it useful Mm. so they can see the usefulness. Mm.
0: We we've been talking about the, how we can teach teachers, mm. yeah. <laughs> and because uh, when we get the you know, speed to boost up the societal shift, mm. <laughs> I think that maybe the uh, capacity of uh, the teaching staff is limited. Yes. So that yeah, the give the, the teaching methods and the manuals and the processes mm. to the <laughs> everybody. And then to boost up the yeah. dissemination, train
1: the trainers. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, I think one of the things I really, you know, re- remind myself constantly of is your f- your your f- when you described the your vision of starting a design lab inside Tokyo was to disrupt, you know, the creative industry and the industry of mm. Japan by bringing different influences mm. in, and that it was. No good to create just one magical room where interesting things yeah. happen, mm-hmm. but rather to yeah, turn that inside out so that the job is to be a catalyst, mm-hmm. a true catalyst mm-hmm. to change, not just a kind of inspirational, uh, you know, magic mm-hmm. location, but rather the the ultimate goal would be in the future that the design lab's kind of invisible because mm-hmm. the, the, the influence has gone everywhere. So you it's no longer visible because it's hidden by success of mm-hmm. design and innovation happening mm-hmm. all around it. Mm-hmm. That would be a kind of great future success of yeah. design. That yeah. it's a it's a landing pad, not a destination. Mm-hmm.
0: So now you clearly have two two things: uh, education for new people mm-hmm. and education for
1: yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, trying to sort of capture the vision of what that is, and I sometimes think it's about turning universities inside out. Yeah, you know, so we, we engage with research mm. to show society that's like pulling mm. research out of the university. We do the design academy outside mm. the campus and change mm. it. So it's it feels like yeah our job is turning university inside out. You know exposing the amazing mm. knowledge that's here and the amazing teaching ability here in different ways. Mm. Mm. Innovating the university system itself helps us mm. to innovate everybody else. The inside
0: out process sounds very fascinating and I realize that maybe the, the one of the role of design is to yeah Connect the outside and inside, mm. and you know to you know, to di- to bridge the two
1: different types of continent yes. <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah. Bring <laughs> well that chasm between many things: chaos mm. and order, mm. design and engineering, society and universities. This is this is about bridging. Yeah. Mm. Cool.
0: Thank you. It's it's about fifteen minutes and.
1: Do you have any anything you um know, to tell? Um, I don't, there was one, well, there's <laughs> only one little thing that we I, I, I we we dropped and I skipped over, which is I think at the moment design and innovation is such an exciting moment, and I think when mm. when you were at college and when, and even more so when I was at college, you know we were trying to we were creating ideas that imagined new technologies. Mm. And then the technology was behind the dreams of, of design. I think right now we have this tidal wave of change coming. Yeah. So it's no longer about dreaming of the future, <laughs> but rather navigating mm. the future. And I think that is, you know, it could be very, it's a scary moment because mm. there are many technologies that have incredible power yeah. and design and innovators need to help us navigate those carefully. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's one of the most exciting times, I think, in the last century at the moment in terms of our ability to create yeah. as designers. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank
0: you, Mars. No All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Thank you.